Taking a little time off to talk about that, but now we're back, Johnny. So you're announcing that we did take time off, but we're not taking more time off. Well, see, what had happened was, is we did not really mean to take time off. No, we were, it was an involuntary hiatus. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we apologize Just for the that. Greek god of vacation. <laughs> hiatus. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so we got together, and uh, I had to upgrade my OS on my old 2011 Mac. And, <sighs> this uh, is already boring. <laughs> People are pulling their cars into dividers. And then I was upgrading it for another thing I was doing. And then it caused... But this is an older computer, which I've told you to upgrade many, many times. And now you decided to upgrade the software on the computer. Well, I had to. The operating system, which is a nightmare because then programs that have worked are suddenly not going to work anymore. And one of those was the program we used to record the show. Well, it looked like it was working. We we started the show, what, seven times. And we'd get three minutes in and it would freeze up. Not even that. 30 seconds. Yeah. So we had a lot of guys. It was gold. All the we stuff had, we said. Oh man! Oh my goodness! They don't call us one take, John and Johnny, for nothing. They don't. No one calls us. Call that. us that. Yeah. So, and here's the deal: we're not using our normal device. I have a new. Okay, the big announcement. I have a new MacBook Pro coming. <sighs> like with the M1. It's chip. So exciting for the listeners. Yeah, they're so excited. <laughs> uh, so, but now I'm using. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey, for loaning us your uh, other recording device, and so. We're hoping this sounds uh, pretty good today. Look, uh, it's free. So what are you going to do? <laughs> if y'all, if more of you would be patrons, then maybe we would. That's uh, no, true. Come just, on, guys. I don't want to ba- browbeat people. I wonder where that expression came from. Browbeat? Yeah. Do uh, you really like when you're saying harsh things to people, you don't actually beat them over the brow. Maybe it's like when you work in the, like in the, like farmers work in the fields, the sun beats down on their brow. Oh. So they're browbeaten. Brow. Maybe I don't know. I don't know exactly how that severely sunburned, earthy people. Do you get like sunburned every year? Yeah. I, well, now I'm I'm doing a lot more outside activities with walking and running and biking, so I get a farmer tan. Oh, but yeah, I get sunburned. Uh, like if I go to the beach for the first time, it'll be disaster. Yeah, uh, it'll be a complete lobster boy situation. Yeah. What about you? you? Can you get a base tan? Can you get it even going? Mm. You used to be able to with the weed eating. Again, a farmer's tan. Yeah. Uh, people who weed eat with their shirts off are another... Are another well, like, that's just dumb, right? Because all the little shrapnel oh, is going to get you. Rocks and grass and bugs and... Who weed eats with their shirt off? I see people occasionally. That's insane. Like, man, that's a little... I can't even weed eat in shorts. Like people that weed eat in shorts. No. It's like, you're just going to beat your shins up. I could because I understand the proper way of throwing things away from oh, my body. Oh boy, here we but, go. Uh, I don't. I choose not to. So, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't. So no, I burn. Like my feet, it, what will happen? What will oh, happen? the feet's the worst. Is I will go, what's happened with our friends, Matt and Lene, we were at their house when they lived in Florida and it was like a cool, it was yeah. seasonally cool. We we're talked at the about beach. this on the podcast yeah. one time because it happened to both of us. And my feet were outside. I was under an umbrella. Uh-huh. My feet were outside because it was actually kind of cool. I was like in a sweatshirt. Your feet were just under, over the outstretched shade. Yeah. You didn't know. My feet, I thought I was hiding myself under the cleft of the shade. Oh, man. And won't that preach? <laughs> <laughs> it turns out my feet were exposed, friends. They had not abide, abidden, <laughs> abode in the secret place. I thought I had iron toes and ankles of brass, or Listen, whatever it was in Daniel. But it turns out it was just white skin. When it comes to feet, skin. iron sharpens iron. <laughs> Do you... This is a gross thing. Like, okay. do, do your toenails get caught on your sheets ever? Is that how, like, you know when I know I have to cut my toenails? When no, they start John, getting what caught. Kind of talons. <laughs> can, is, you've shared an experience that's just you. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you make your wife's legs bleed because you're an animal? You're a wild animal? No, no, I don't know. No, John, what's wrong with you? You know how you wildly kick in the night and you. Yeah. Yeah, well, your your toenails get caught on the sheets. Well, not like caught, caught. I just, I just, I feel friction, like a little, a little catching. Cut your toenails. Well, I did. That's how I know, and it's glorious after the fact. That's how. That's how you know. <laughs> that's your. That's your like. Mm, it's time. <laughs> well, we sleep with dogs, two big dogs, and their toenails are out of hand. And, well, technically, uh, they're out of their paws. But, so they they're out of paw. I know. And they, so I wake up with random scratches on me sometimes, wow. just angry from just them kicking or pushing. 
You know, they're sleep running or something. I don't know. Well, Daisy is the main one, and she. It's like I hear this with people who sleep with their kids in the bed sometimes that it starts off the kids, you know, long ways with you, like a Roman numeral three. That's what you want. That's the goal. Roman numeral three. Let's do this. There's a. It's a big bed. King size bed. Yeah. What ends up happening though is the letter H. <laughs> Somehow Daisy decides no, I'm going to turn, you know, what is it horizontally? Yeah. And then it's like we're vertical, she's horizontal, and it's the letter H, and she's pushing us, each of us, mm. to the furthest east and west coasts of the bed. Yeah. And so at some point, I get scratched in that process. And wow. so I wake up sometimes with big red lines. And one time I woke up with a scratch on my face. Oh, wow. It took like a few days to go away. Like, what did she do to me? Wow. It's intense. A lot of people would kick their dog out of bed, but I just, right. I'm a sucker for my dog. You so. just keep going. I'm an idiot. Well, I carry a blind dog down steps every day. So okay. He got lost. Sounds, you win. Yeah. He got lost <laughs> Sounds in the like yard a GoFundMe request. <laughs> Won't you help? Yeah, I take him out, and he got lost in the yard again this morning. So I take him and leave him out there for a minute. And I talk Is to him. He's totally me. blind now. No, he can see. So he can t- kind of tell because he jumps real big when you come near him. So oh, he can well, kind of nice. yeah. What you want? He's, that could be scent. That could be anything. No, he's, there's. Your I think voice. he can see light and shadows and stuff a little bit. His other senses are heightened. He's pretty deaf too. So oh. uh, he that, does. That sense is not heightened. Then <laughs> that sense is also. He's running dulled. out of senses to heighten. I'll put yeah. it that way. Um, and, I, and I'll talk to the other dog Ace because he, you know, in my in my opinion, he should be responsible. Yeah, he should for take care. To, to take shepherd care of the old, Brutus back to the steps. Absolutely, respect your elders. And instead, he just like runs and darts at him in and out of his little shadowy vision just to get him. Although he has trained Brutus to chase him. Yeah, like a Brutus sometimes will he'll jump and then he'll start running. You know, and oh, so that's yeah, nice. they've they got this weird. It's fun watching an old dog play. Yeah, that's like a it's like a rare little like glimpse of like the old days. You see an old dog play for a second. Sometimes he'll get super excited when he knows I've come home. You know? Yeah. And so Ace is, of course, all jumping up and down on you. And Brutus doesn't exactly know where you are. So he just get near my legs and just start hopping, hoping that I catch him. Like, oh. it's very cute. It's like, a, it's a, I think you're here somewhere. Hey! And he just starts, you know, and he'll fall over sometimes. That's not as cute. No. So you get to make sure you catch him if this he starts is, hopping. So This is extra sad. It's <laughs> an old dog, though. He's 16, man. Man, alive. I saw Gabby... Miller, remember Gabby? Yeah, of course. Oh, love Gabby. Uh, at a birthday party Saturday, she works at a vet clinic, and she said that that day they had a 23-year-old Yorkie yeah. that had died that day. 23. I said it has to be a record. 23. My mom's dog was uh, in her in her 20s when we finally put her down, and I think that she was 22. Wow. Sarah. You remember Sarah? Yeah. She And, and literally, it was because mom had passed. Yeah. And Sarah wouldn't stop grieving. So yeah. she stopped eating and we had to put her down eventually. She was just sick all the time and just wouldn't wouldn't move after mom died. But she was actually okay in good shape until then. Wow. Seemingly. She just went downhill so fast when mom passed. What kind of dog? She was a mixed breed, but she was basically like a long haired dachshund mix. Yeah. Just a little dog. Little dogs live longer. Sure. And I don't prosper. know what it is. Yeah, they live long and prosper. Well, they don't have a you got to think about it. There's a lot less. I mean, think about it. The fall is shorter for them if they fall over. Okay. Uh, they have. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm not a veterinarian. I want that preach. Sometimes we need our fall to be <laughs> short. Some of y'all need to get closer to Some the Some of y'all ground. have fallen far because you've risen on the wings of Icarus. <laughs> Waxing wings. And when they get a hold of the sun, the S-O-N. Oh, my goodness. You realize your wings were built with. Oh, Johnny, there Man-made was... Man-made materials. Oh, Sadie's going to kill me. There was one the other day yeah. that we passed, a marquee, and, and, Laura, church marquee. and Laura and I started giving Sadie all yeah. of your marquees, you know? She was just <laughs> dying laughing. I'm trying to think of what this one was. It's one I never heard before. It was bad. It was bad, but I'm sorry. Church I won't, marquees, I won't man. think of it, but... We don't have anything. We just have a fountain. It's lame. Well, I think that's you better. Have a digital sign that says something. Scroll. So you could screw it up. Listen, well, man. There should be some information being given. Service times. Something. We don't have web- any information. People go to websites now, man. But no. But if it's it's a little extra, you know, give them information. No digital sign across that beautiful fountain. It should cast into the water. Ooh, like a Vegas. projection onto. Uh huh. Now that then I could. And a hologram of Andrew, Pastor Andrew, pops up. <laughs> hey guys, it's like the Jurassic <laughs> Park, <laughs> the Jurassic Park video of the professor <laughs> explaining, you know, how the DNA transfer works and all that. Oh my goodness! 
I found myself at night right now, one of the major stations when we were watching something on DVR or on Netflix and Sadie goes to bed when I switch back, because I'm usually on a station that's watching The Office or something, and the major station is now playing, I won't say who, but a pretty, a, a, the most famous prosperity preacher of our time. Oh, okay. And, uh, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know who you consider a prosperity preacher. Joel Osteen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't, you didn't say want to say. Name. I didn't want to say his name. But I, I just, some people don't consider him a prosperity gospel preacher, but. Really? Well, I don't know. Maybe not. No, I'm not. Okay. Who would you consider? Creflo Dollar. That's who you Yeah. Would. Well, maybe. Yeah. Somebody that's like, because does Joel come out and I guess prosperity gospel, I'm thinking of more televangelism of like, there's an 800 number, like, give me your money. Whereas Joel's like. Your best life now. Yeah, he's a, he's a it's a real church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe I should have said that. I'm sorry. He, no, no, no. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if about you know. I know he's taking a lot of hits. I, I have no idea. The guys. It, it, it bothers me sometimes. When I see the excess and the planes and the mansions. Yeah. It bothers me because I'm just like, is this what people really think that they're? I don't know. Giving I, towards. I don't know. It's, I've watched though a little bit, and I will tell you this: like, yeah. I understand the appeal. Yeah. Like his positive. And number one, he's got to have a teleprompter. The dude, I'm telling you, I'll sit there, Lars, like, I want you to pay attention to this. He squints a lot. He's got a very folksy, squinty vibe to him. Maybe it's because he's looking at the teleprompter. Yeah. Because there is no um. He's, he's nearsighted. Like, it is story after story after story with principle in between. Yeah. And it is, like, straight given. He like, must, there's no. I bet you that there's rehearsals and things. Well, I rehearse, too, but. Yeah. I don't rehearse is the wrong thing. We, we go through a run-through is what we call it. That's a rehearsal. Dude, I want to teleprompt my sermon one day. Just totally manuscript it, teleprompt okay. it. It's like, I understand. Again, then I, you I, have to get that speed down. And what if you decide to go off script? That's the Because that's what you like to do. Whoa. Whoa. That hurt. Hey. Yeah. That oh. reminds me of this one wonderful story. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful story. <laughs> yeah, I went a little long. Uh, I did address money issues at church of the day. You did. And, um, and that went long because then you give all the... Well, and someone had even told me before like, we hey, even get into this. Let me tell you all the reasons why I do, and I'm I'm learning. I'm made like this. It's tough talking about money in church. We know that. Let me just say something. By the way, I don't agree with all of Joel Osteen's theology. I was just saying, like, it's a, it's a fascinating. I like to watch people that are of a different, um, I guess, slant on some things. Like, I don't hear a lot of the gospel in what he's saying. You know, there's not a lot of your sinfulness that Jesus has paid for, kind of thing. But there is a lot of the redemption side of the gospel. Yeah. Um, God wants the best for you, et cetera. Yeah. Right. So it's a little, he's on your side, Yeah, but it, but it is super encouraging, but I don't yeah. know if that's good or not, you know, without the other, these, uh, the Enneagram friends I'm writing with, they said it's fascinating of the day cause they're, they're gospel based Enneagram. And they said, we were in a personal meeting. They were like, we don't understand how people study the Enneagram without the gospel because tools like that, not just Enneagram, any sort of tool like that will continue to reveal areas of brokenness in your life and what do you do when you just keep finding other areas that need to keep growing or keep healing without grace like without a savior or someone to take that brokenness to because you can't just self-help all the stuff in your life no one can overcome the human condition i mean no one's done it yet well a lot of people that i've known that have been into myers-briggs or enneagram though honestly they come off like this was a way to find out why i am the way i am and now, and now right. accept me. Like, in other words, this helps me realize why I made those decisions. But now you just need to work around this. There was a comedian that, that said something about that. It was so funny. It was a guy named Zoltan. Uh, I think his last name is Cassis. It's a weird, weird spelling. But anyway, he said. Sounds like another Greek guy. He said he's way. a millennial. And he goes, I realize that I'm a millennial. I used to make fun of millennials. And I realize I am one now. I looked at the age parameters. And he goes, and the thing about millennials is, he goes, we are so self-aware, painfully self-aware, more than any other generation. But it's not like we're using the information to be better. It's like we're like, yeah, I, I have terrible anxiety. And they're like, oh, really? What do you do? Do you take meds? What do you do? No, 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 no. I just need you to work around this. Like that. It's just it's like, it made me laugh so hard because I do. there are people like that. They're just like, um, if you can't handle me on my worst day, you don't right. deserve me on my best day. That's their whole like refrigerator magnet lifestyle. It's an Instagram like uh, theology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. There is an Instagram theology. So I think sure. that to, to your point, there are any grand people who go, 
This is a culture of I want to find out why I am the way I am so that I can be the best me I can be and also learn what my spouse is like so I can be the best spouse. Yeah. But then there are some people who go like, oh, that's why I, whatever, hate my dad because loyalty is a big deal to me and he betrayed our family and blah, blah, blah. All right. Moving on, and they don't ever do anything. So I don't think that there are a lot of people who get frustrated by their depravity. They just go, oh, of course I'm depraved. Yep. But there's a reason, and it's a mitigating factor for them. It's really interesting. Um, one of the things they say is you don't use tools like the Enneagram as either a sword or a shield, to your point. Okay. If you use it as a sword, then I've heard this a lot, especially with the Enneagram. Like, you sit there and say something, and I go, yeah, that's exactly what a six would say, or whatever. Like, you know, it's <laughs> right. a real, like, you're getting, in, in fact. That's well, why I'm afraid of it, because it's the eye roll moments that you're yeah. going to get from people who are really good at it. They're going to be like, oh, that is so six of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, in our house early on, like, we would laugh about that. Like, I will tell her, but we're both pretty deep into it. But there is a moment I'm going, like, I'll say, hey, yeah, well, that is exactly I see why you're seeing that because I know about twos. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will see that that would be a two perspective. Like, you see all this through the lens of your role in helping that person. And I see all this through the lens. Do people ever become another number? No. You're so, born with a number. Like, you you literally... You're you, like, I realize I'm such a six now, but over time, you've developed into a two. You never... That never happens? Well, if you understand your... So, you're not one thing. Okay, you have parts, all right? And so specifically that you have two wings. Right, I knew about the wings. Okay? Thing. And then you have two paths. So like let's just say me as a six, my two wings are everyone has two wings and numbers on each side of your type, which means my wings are a seven and a five. I might wing deeper into one of those, but I have both. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then my two paths are a three and a nine. So a lot of my life to your question, do you change? A lot of my life you would have assumed I was a three. So a three is the achiever. Mm -hmm. And so that's a part of my, I can't use the words that the book is going to put out because it's probably proprietary, but that's a part of, of me. It's not good part. It's not bad part. It's a part. It can be healthy. It can be unhealthy. It can be aligned. It can be misaligned. But that three, because so much of my upbringing trying to be, be the student council president and be the top of the class and get the scholarship and all those kinds of things, like that achiever came to bear more, but my motivation for all of that, that's the difference. A three is not motivated in yeah. the same way that a six is. My motivation for all that has always been fear. Like fear is my motivating factor, which is the, the, the case for a six. Even if I'm a counterphobic six, which I am, meaning I, if I'm afraid of something, I go attack it, which by the way, looks like a three. Yeah. <laughs> Cause now it looks like I'm trying to achieve and overcome the fears, which is what I was trying to do. But so yes, you would have mistyped me. But the whole time, if you can get to the true motivation, and I'm also a nine a lot of the time, which right. means I really struggle to make decisions on the negative side of nine. On the positive side, I see both sides to everything. So so you don't change. You just maybe learn that, oh, I thought all this time I was this. So twos and eights are, are a big one. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm – I think I'm motivated by fear, but I also think that sometimes – I don't, what I have is not fear, it's dread, and dread is paralyzing. Yeah. Because it makes you go like, well, doom is on its way, but no matter what I do, it's coming. So why would I do this to-do list today? See, that's an absolute, again, yeah. that's that would be a sixth yeah. thing. Because yeah. worst case scenario thinking is a sixth thing. Okay. Like where you're thinking of all that could go wrong. Right, right. You could become paralyzed, but see, you also have a, a really strong seven. I've always thought you're six. Well, I'm obviously seven. counterphobic in some ways because I have dread, but I get up in front of people and try to get their approval anyway. Right. Like I don't, I don't really know when that, and that's the reason I ask about changing your personality type, because if I was always one way, which was a shy, introverted kid, and then I choose this job, something clicked along the way that made me get out of that shell in some way. Well, and again, I don't know. I don't know what you are without you having probably the more professional like process. Well, I'm not going to do it. But so, <laughs> I would say I I've always thought you're a six. Yeah. You're either a six with a, with a, a really strong seven. Because when you think about it, when we were doing the band, you used to have to do all the banter. Yeah, you were I was to terrified to talk between songs. I could sing if I was hiding behind the guitar. Yep. Um, but even then, I would tend to pull, to pull away from the mic at times. Yeah. There was a lot of fear 
But I was always afraid of not doing it too. It's like, I want to do this. And I, obviously you, you made me braver. Cause I was like, John will harmonize with me. That'll help. Right. It's a band of us. It's not just me on my own. And now everything I do you is completely own. on my own. So somewhere along the line, cause we were talking about that. I was at a, uh, a party at Seth's house and Dane was saying that like, what a weird thing that John used to always like, cause he was saying he wanted to be better at banter or patter, whatever you call it. Patter. If you're a, a magician, <laughs> the patterns between the two the tricks right and it, that's the really difference like i mean like if you have two magicians they have great tricks b- both of them have amazing tricks the one that gets the show in vegas has the best patter yeah he can make you interested in the part that's leading up to the trick mm-hmm. pulling the guy from the audience is interesting even like the way he does that the way he carries himself all that's a huge thing you're being judged on and Dave was like i want to be better at that when touring comes back and i was like yeah that's a I, that's a noble goal and i said i don't really know how i got less afraid of it or better at it or whatever you want to call it. It's not like I still don't have fear, but it's, uh, he was like, it's remarkable. Cause he goes, I remember you were afraid to even like John would do all the, I wrote this next song. <laughs> I was driving back from college. There's something else I feel bad about. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know if that's a change or if it's something that was like unlocked that was always there. But, cause obviously when I was a class clown and stuff, I would yep. interject. I would, I was the jokester. No, that's your seven. Yeah. I don't know. I think again, your seven, sevens are motivated. They don't, they don't want to, again, I'm giving really rudimentary, sorry, all of you Enneagram experts, but sevens, uh, like any F Downs' podcast, she's a seven is called that sounds fun. Yeah. Like they want fun and they don't want to miss out on fun and they avoid pain at mm-hmm. all costs. Okay. So they'll stay in the new what's new. What's exciting? I got to yeah. keep going and find the fun. So you kind of have some three in you as well because you also achieve. And, and but that seven, that seven, in my opinion, you're probably six, the strong seven wing, or you're a seven with a strong six. And my wife, as the coach, would probably be able to. Yeah. But I think you're six possibly because of your five wing, which is the five is very. It's the the one the the introspective learner, like the you know almost like a librarian. Like I need knowledge in mm-hmm. order to bring you know, I got, I must understand what's going on yeah. all the time in order. So I, yeah. I lean into that to find the six wants safety. That's my thing. I really want safety, not just physical safety, but I want relationships that are safe. I want the systems around me to be trustworthy. And the six also has, and this is why I think it might apply to you. Six also has an internal committee. You make yeah. decisions by internal committee and it can torture you. Right. So you, cause you, that's part of your nine actually coming in, but that you have all these conflicting things that all sound right within you. Mm-hmm. And that's why you look to the outside. Sometimes you'll look for someone. I do this probably more than you do. I look to someone on the outside to help tell me which committee member is right. Okay. So it's hard for me to make decisions. I need an, I need an external and so, yeah, I definitely, I think I did that for a long time, especially in like, uh, when I was starting out, I would look to somebody and be like, well, they seem like they have it together. What are they doing? Yeah. But now the more I've been doing this, I realize nobody has it together. Yeah. And so that's been a, that's been a really disorienting discovery. That sounds like a six's journey into health a little bit because yeah. one of your healthy places would be to rely less. Cause if you feel like a phony, but you feel like there's real people out there, right then it's almost, it gives you hope. Like I can become a real boy one day. And then when you get into the world of real boys and they're all Pinocchio and you're like, Oh Oh, crap. Yeah. We're all just like, they're putting makeup on Pinocchio and sending us out there and hoping people don't realize we're all phonies. Yeah. It's really disorienting. No, it really, really is. Uh, I had that talk with someone that day, like it was yesterday. I was like, everybody that you keep mentioning they're all just as broken as you yeah, and just as broken as me. People, you say it, it sounds very Instagrammy, but it's, it's actually true. It's just a matter of whether or not their version of brokenness has maybe the same level of social consequence right? or it's, it's as visible, Yeah, but it's there. And maybe you're at the place where you find peace in that. I, I feel, I still feel a little bit, uh, panicked about it somewhat. I don't know. I'm not going to lie. When I was praying this morning and it helped, I, I had this sense. I was driving. I dropped Sadie off at school. This is going to sound dark because it is. I was driving back and I had like this feeling of some things in my mind that are continually being deconstructed right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say what all of them are, but my deconstruction, I had this sense of 
I'm like began to tell the Lord, like sometimes it feels like I'm falling and I can't hit the bottom. Like I keep waiting for a bottom. Yeah. On some of those things. I know it's there. There's just some deconstruction, deconstruction feel that way. And, and again, in just a moment of bringing those things before God, I, I sense a, a stability immediately. Like, Hey, that's those, those things weren't real anyway, <laughs> or they need to be deconstructed. Like there's, there's uh-huh. health in that. As long as I have that, almost like I can stop spinning while I'm falling and he makes me upright. Like, it's okay. I got you. I'm not letting you hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking you, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the fall. Um, but there is that it is, it is disorienting. You realize nobody, cause then you start going for us. I think, okay. You remember when we used to go to camp and mm-hmm. I was a kid going to camp, the camp evangelist was, it was like I- a superhero. was an idol to me. Yeah. Always. Yeah. He felt like he was the one who had the secret handshake relationship with God because he was gifted uh-huh. or a good communicator in and, and it had that spiritual sense of, yeah, that deep connection to God and then the deep connection to his gifts to be able to probably as much about pleasing people. Wow, that guy can really please people. I didn't know that because I thought, ooh, he's so pleasing to God. Look how pleasing to people he is. Like there's all these weird right. kind of things. And, and then you find out when you get older, like you said, that, you know, these guys are just guys, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're gifted communicators and maybe they do have a close. I, I, that's why I have a really difficult time with like thus saith the Lord type things like, Hey, if you're going to do it, I think there's a place for that. It, it needs to be a very humble thing and you need to be repentant. If you miss it and you need to be careful and teach people how to receive things like that. Like, Hey, well, I think we've seen great examples of that because everyone who has prophesied things that were not uh, shown to be true recently. They've all owned up to it. Oh, absolutely. Everyone. And them. we've all gone back to normal, which is great. That's what you want to see. It's all I've it's all I've wanted, man. I just I, I, I just want You see people doubling down. It's amazing to me when somebody doubles down like that. I told you about the guy, you know, he brought me a a prophet who was having dreams. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm just curious what you think about this, if it's right. And I was like, Well and I listened. I said, like, Well my first impre- my first thing I noticed was three minutes in an ad popped up. Yeah. There were four ads in this one video. In the prophecy? Yes. <laughs> This prophecy brought to you. <laughs> it was very much like he talked for a minute about what he was seeing, and then it was all of a sudden. I said, "So look, that's okay." I'm like, <laughs> I, I write books in in the Christian industry, and I get paid to be a pastor. I'm not saying all that's wrong. Someone is. Well, it may not even be him. Someone, yeah. someone's making something off this yeah. video. I was like, you know, the number two, the thing was that struck me is he was like, so in November, mm-hmm. I see bread lines. And I see, and it was like September. Right. I was like, here's the great news about this particular prophet. He's right. given us such a short window. Yeah. All we got to do is wait to November. Right. And here's the deal though. If we get to November and there's no bread lines. Right. So then he There was have, that snow we had where people did go buy a bunch of bread. Maybe that's what I think, he, I think what he, he meant by bread lines. I know what he meant, John. <laughs> he meant like the dreary Soviet yeah, Union era, right. you know, the breakup of the you know Soviet Union bread lines thing. I was like, if it doesn't happen, to your point, yeah. then we stop listening to him as a source for these things. Sure. I said, that's what the Bible would say. Like, you test the prophets. I said, and it's okay. We don't have to crucify him over it. He may have just been wrong. It may have meant well. may have really had the dream. I mm-hmm. don't know. But all I know is... They have if, sold a bunch of airtime to ads. At that point... Well, I'm giving all the benefits of the doubt here. <laughs> at that point, I can I can say biblically, yeah. he is no longer going to be a trustworthy source of prophecy if if you are looking for one. So I say... But that's what kills me. It's like then we just pivot. Oh, I'm sorry. What I meant was February. And it's yeah. like people just keep doing it. And you're like, man... I just want people, Johnny, I don't know. Lock. I think I remember Isaiah having, when he would do his prophecies, there would be breaks for ads. It would be, <laughs> rend your hearts and not your garments. Brought to you by A1 Dry Cleaning. <laughs> Which it was really dry cleaning back then. This was the desert. so. Oh, super dry. Super dry cleaning. Oh, my goodness, Johnny. That'll, that'll <laughs> go ahead and work that out on stage. Um, <laughs> No, I don't know, man. I just, I, there, Laura calls that a justice, like that I want everybody who's wrong to say they were wrong kind of yeah. thing. And I want to be right. I was like, you know, I don't know if it's that. I think that there's a, but there is a lack of, like, I don't need, here's the thing. I don't want to do it to punish him. Well, you're a history guy too. And so, you know, as well as I do, and you've seen this played out that like, we don't know until you get that 10,000 yard view 20 right. years out. Like if you look at now people like some of the most 
like Southern Baptist churches, the Southern you know Baptist movement was founded because of slavery. And now you see Southern Baptist churches showing these Martin Luther King montages with quotes of his. Right. And it's interesting to you could look back 30, 40 years. They didn't even want Martin Luther King Day to be a national holiday. And before right. that, there were a lot of people who opposed his views, yep. you know, tried to make him out to be. the. So it's like you don't know. Until you get decades away from what we've had, what we've been through the last five years, we won't know until like what's what really happened. Even with COVID, think about with COVID. Even like we're not really going to know the autopsy on this virus even until we get removed from it enough to where the people who are writing about it are not just the people in power. Yeah, because that's kind of what the danger is, right? Like history is written, Mm -hmm. especially in those first few years. It's like who had the pen. Yeah. And got to tell us, this is what you believe, right? And then it's decades before you go, oh, wow, we were really way off there. Yeah. Uh, there is a, so presentism or modernism, I mean, that's the term for kind of judging in the right. moment. Recency bias or right? whatever. You're, you're judging past things by present things or uh-huh. you're judging present things by present things. Like you don't have a, a historical uh, ability to, because you just have to wait. That, that's what people don't want to do. Yeah. Matt Chandler, I quoted him in the book. It was an Instagram post he made right after, I think, the George Floyd situation. I mean, he said, he talked about how all of you who are quoting Martin Luther King, like if he was alive today, a lot of the way Christians are responding, you would hate him. Right. You would consider him Well, he to was be, the most hated, when he, when he yes. was assassinated, he was one of the most hated men in the U.S. You would consider him a radical socialist, and, and that was the term I think he used, and you would not... So there, there is something, same kind of thing of question of Kennedy, you know, would he be remembered as a great president without the assassination? But I think, I think to your point, there has to be, that's why you have to have some patience to some extent and go, Hey, you know, when we keep trying to make conclusions, whether it's pandemic or whether it's anything in a modern age, like, yes, we have to make some conclusions and take action, but there should be some humility because of history to go, hey, maybe I can't see. It's impossible yeah. to see everything in, in the moment it happens. And pr- specifically for prophecy, that's what I told the guy too. I said, look, here's what I know. Most biblical prophecies, a couple things, they were a long way in the future. Mm-hmm. And number two, they were not meant to be known until they had already happened. They're meant for you to see that God had a plan. They're not meant for you to know the plan. Meaning... Jesus has prophesied completely throughout the entire Old Testament. You know, then you have like this 400 years of silence and then Jesus is born in a manger and a few people like by the Holy Spirit's power get it. Simeon and Anna and these kind of people in the, but most people don't like the shepherds get it because angels come, but there's no great fan for the, certainly King Herod doesn't get it. You know, like, the number, the people who get it are, are a ragtag group. They're not, you know, they're, they're not who you would expect at the time to understand. Meaning they had not yet put together all of the prophecies that were in, in theory so plainly foretold. Even then when Jesus reveals while he's walking the earth in his ministry, all the things that the prophecies foretold about him. You now there's that their eyes were darkened somewhat, I think, by the sovereignty of God for that season. They still didn't get it. And then when Jesus died and came back to life and is walking on the road to Emmaus, he begins, then that conversation on the road to Emmaus is really important with these disciples. He begins to explain to them, and the Bible says, beginning in the, in the beginning of the Old Testament, basically, and shows them the messianic prophecies throughout the entire one, puts all the pieces together because they still didn't get it. But the point was the prophecy was not for for you to get before it happens. The prophecy was for once it happened for me to show you that my plan was in place the whole time mm-hmm. so that you'll know this wasn't random. So it only works in, in, in hindsight. Like I I'm very suspicious. I just, I don't think the point of prophecy is to look ahead. I think it may be to prepare a little bit, but like the entire eschatology sort of obsession, the whole left behind type obsession right. of we need to take what revelation and Daniel and these things say and prepare. Like I heard a guy, I, it was, James Baker the other day, or Jim Baker, I heard him the other day. <laughs> he was selling prep, prepper kits. Right. And he said, his Buckets. Life, and again, I don't send around. 80 gallons of mashed potatoes in your basement. And <laughs> it really was. Wait for the rapture. And they were like $1,500 for like, like they were really expensive yeah. kits. And again, it sounds like I'm sitting around watching 
TBN all the time or something. I'm really not. I just went by. I was like, well, this is, it's like what I had. I couldn't it turn away. Television. Like it's I had amazing. to watch it. Yeah. And I, he, at the end of the program, because I was towards the end when I turned it on, he said these words, God loves you. Be ready. And I was like, there was no sense of God loves you. He's going to take care of you. It was a God loves you. Right. Take care of yourself. Right. Like what, what God's given you is this foreknowledge of all these things. It's like, no, God really hasn't. Like he's not mm. told us all the things. There's so much mystery. There's so much poetry. There's so much, you know, metaphoric, you know, imagery. Like, yes, there is some, pre- we just got obsessed sort of in the seventies, eighties and nineties. And I think it's, it's kind of a pervasive part of now evangelical culture. Instead of going, God's going to take care of eternity. God's going to take care of the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. God has a plan. Instead of like resting in that, like what is the non-mysterious thing that God wants me to do today? Even at Jesus's ascension, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a lot of detail into this. Even at Jesus's ascension, the disciples wanted to know, uh, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Meaning, when are you going to bring the end of, of Roman rule mm-hmm. and bring the Messianic kingdom? And Jesus said so key, so clearly to them, it was such a key thing. It is not for you to know. You go wait in Jerusalem until the Father sends the Holy Spirit. I will send the Holy Spirit. And then you go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of people, whatever your version of uh, that commission is in various I think books. of the message translation, he says, none you. <laughs> they're like, what? what's none you? He said, none you business. There you go. Thought, in the Greek, the word was none you, and it was like, yeah. Nunya. sorry. I just think it's like, man, if you just get off that, yeah. Think about how much energy we spend on trying to project a future prophetic you, you know, reality for believers instead of living a present prophetic reality. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen articles and videos the last few months about how like our doctrine of what we teach about the rapture is a relatively new doctrine. Yeah. Compared to what the early church would have believed yeah. about the second coming of Christ. Uh, you know, it's like 1850s. Yeah. when it became very popularized uh, to believe that like cars were going to be unmanned and people were going to be, you know, piles of clothes would be left. The left behind right. mentality. And so, and what that, it seems harmless, but then you like you said, what is the fruit of that? If you really only believe that and that's your hope is that well none of this matters that that's kind of the extended fruit of it is that well god's going to give us a new earth anyway let's just burn this one down or only thing that matters is keeping things just so so my future self can get this reward in heaven and you don't live in the present necessarily when god's like i want to be with you here in the present yeah so I don't know. I, again, to me, those mysteries are okay. I have there's some peace I have about not knowing all that stuff. But it is interesting that some things are taught as like this is the only way to believe about this. But it's it so has evolved. Even in the past hundred fifty years, it's evolved. Yeah. Well, and again, that shouldn't be offensive to us because, um, like, even the you know the, the straight we saw about this before the straight up sixteen eleven King James Bible people like. The version of the King James Bible you have today has been revised over 1,500 times since 1611. Like revision and language and interpretation is – it shouldn't be a change of the pillars of theology, but there are there are things that as we move forward that change. You know, and I, and I am a believer in a citizen of heaven first mentality. I just believe like you said that that, that that's – eternity has already begun. Yeah. Eternity by definition is not confined to future. So for example, let's get really controversial. Like Okay, I'm not saying that I'm a I'm not going to say what I am. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not going to say I'm a literal 7-day creationist. I'm not going to say that I am a progressive evolutionary creationist. Okay, I do believe God created. I'm not going to say which one because I think it'll muddy the waters. It's one of those things people want to really just nail you down on. Here's what I do know. If a believer believes in eternity, which go ask any Christian, do you believe in eternity? Well, of course I do. Okay. Right. If that's the case, then here's what I know. 700 billion years ago, God was and God was doing something. 
I don't know what it was. Yeah. But the idea that it's offensive. Yeah, it's, they're used to believing it's, of eternity is something eternity going forward, but never like. Right. Could God have gone back that far? Because if you believe in eternity past, then yeah. If God has no beginning, God has no beginning. Like it is a centralized tenet of yeah. you know, Christian theology and doctrine, which I believe God has no beginning. So if like it just causes you to it, it's very offensive to the Christian mind because like you said, the entire process of eternity is wrapped up number one in us in mm-hmm. our role in a future something. As opposed to eternity, the concept should be wrapped up in God. Yeah. And in what we don't have a lot of knowledge. Right. Should, what, anything, it should make you feel small, not big. Right. We've we've managed to make prophecy and uh, eschatology make us feel big, we, whether we wrap America up in it or ourselves up yep. in it. But it should make you feel like you're a tiny part of something gigantic. Yeah. I think that'd be a great question for everyone. Like, what do you, do you believe God was doing something a thousand million years ago? I do. I don't know what it was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I'm not, so I'm not, you're sort of getting nailed down to go, oh, wow, that's big. That's a, that's a bigger, well, how do you conceptualize that? Well, I mean, you shouldn't, you're not going to be able to. Aliens, bro. It's all so, about aliens. Hey, I, I will say, I will tell you, I th- uh, this sounds crazy. I saw something in the sky the other day. My wife and I both saw it. I did too. Was it about Opryland? Yes. No. I think so. And I thought it was like a drone. Okay. It must have been a drone or something. That's, it's always a drone Was nowadays. it on a Saturday morning? I don't know. This was at night. I saw what looked like two like black airplanes with a white airplane behind it and another black one behind that. And Johnny, they were like super close. At first I thought it was an airplane pulling uh-huh. a sign. Okay. She goes, what's that? Uh, is that an airplane pulling a sign? But we could tell it wasn't that far away. And it was, it was four things and the white one. And then Johnny, I'm not kidding. And they were going super slow. And all of a sudden they were gone. Uh, they were gone. Yeah. We're like, uh, I looked over and looked back gone. Aliens. And my wife was watching the whole time. So I don't Do know. Do you I think uh, aliens? Uh... Oh gosh. I don't know. No, I don't know. I know this again. God's always been here, and He's the creator there's of so all many things. galaxies. Like, there's no so many. Did God need our permission for us to be to, the only ones? There's life. It would be almost like, why would there? I don't know. Maybe, why are the other ones there? Maybe He did. Maybe He did not. I don't know. It would. He would not. It would not hurt my theology to find out that in the eternity past, or simultaneous to our eternity present, that God is doing whatever God wants to do. I don't know what God wants to do in those things. I believe I'm made in his image and that's beautiful and wonderful. And this is the reality he's chosen for us to have. So I don't know, but it sounds like, again, you sound like a, I sound like a crazy person saying that, but it's like, I think it's crazier to to say that God's not capable of doing whatever he wants to do. You know, did God say in the scriptures, Yeah, never shall I create any other worlds? Nope. I mean, I, you know, so I mean, if you believe you're if you're a creationist, it kind of seems like you should have a bigger viewpoint of what is possible right. in the universe. But, but no, again, it becomes all about us because we're like, we must be the special ones. Right. I do believe that we're the ones that the son of God died for. What if he died for people on other planets, too, though? We don't know. I don't know. What if they got their own separate Bible that is their own? Oh, man. Those people know. have their own uh, revealed text. If you're new to the podcast. Today, Wouldn't that be something? You know, we don't normally go these places. Johnny's crazy. Johnny just put a tinfoil hat on right now. You don't think Jesus died for people on Venus? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, again, I think all things, I, I don't know. I do think here's right now as the pragmatist that I am, Johnny, you know mm, that. Yeah. I would say I have no evidence of there being any other, which is such a hilarious thing. We as Christians, people of faith seeking evidence, it is such a scientific theory thing that people, like you said, didn't really yeah. do on the same level before the you know Renaissance. <laughs> so the scientific method wasn't really a, a way of thinking. So we kind of like the, a Christian worldview that's often anti-scientific will use a scientific method in order to prove its own resistance of science. <laughs> yeah. The reason I don't is because I don't have evidence. Well, where do you think the idea of getting evidence came from into the Christian world? Because quite honestly, the scientific revolution was started by Christians. Mm-hmm. Like they were, you know, that, so that's anyway, that's my other, other lot, lots of interesting. <sighs> this is such a, this is, you're such a six. <laughs> I was thinking about the achievement thing. I don't think, I, I think I may have a tiny sliver of me that's an achiever anymore, but I do think that, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be thought of as somebody who's wasted my gift or I don't want to be left out. 
or I don't want to be called out for being less than, but that's not the same thing as wanting to be the best at something. I don't think maybe I want to be the best, but I don't feel that necessarily more. In other words, here, here's an example. I don't want to have the best yard on my block. That does not matter at all to me. What I don't want is a note on my door right. from the HOA saying, cut your grass, you're an eyesore, you're dragging down property values. That would be like, cut me like a knife. So if I cut my grass, it's not to be the best yard. It's to not be the worst yard. I don't know what Even that. as a comic, I want to be a comic. I don't necessarily need to be, you know, the next Jerry Seinfeld. But I don't want to be like somebody who people are like, bless his heart, he's trying. That would, God, it would kill me. Mm. If I thought I was just skating yeah, and I was barely, like when you see somebody who's doing something in the creative world and it's clearly not their gift, but they love it. And so they're, they keep going. If I thought I was one of those people, it would crush me. But I want to be somewhere in the middle. Like I'm getting the most out of my gift, but I'm also, I don't know. I definitely have some coast in me. I have some coast built into me. I was always like a, an A and B student without really trying. And so I really didn't. So that was a problem because I had a really good memory so I could take tests well, but it wasn't like I was like, I woke up and Oh, this is going to be an amazing chance for me to learn and grow as a person. <laughs> School was something to get through with for me. You know, uh, you know, what's weird again. I think we have the same motivation. Maybe like I've kind of wanted to be the best, but that kept me out of being the worst. Yeah. Uh, and it maybe and also really sought the approval of people, so I knew I would be approved if I. I just climb. don't want to be embarrassed. But again, my job puts me in a position to be embarrassed every time I do it. So it's a strange yeah. thing to be like. My worst fear is embarrassing myself, and yet I load the gun and send myself out there every time, and hand it to the audience and go, "See what you got." Like it's a I am giving them permission to embarrass me. Or to be, I'm, I'm putting that kinetic energy out there to be embarrassed every time, even though it's also my worst fear. I guess my, I guess my number one worst fear is to not do it at all and have to go get a real job <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point. But um, yeah, so that, again, that's counterphobic, I guess, like you said. So, yeah, we need Johnny. I think you're. I think it's time. Do you? I think it's time. This feels like I'm. Uh, Joining Scientology. Like, don't they do it with personality tests? Hey, we got this great personality test that you could take. Because that's what they do. That's You know, that's how they recruit. Yeah. It's, no. a, it's a personality test that you take from people on the street. And then they go, come into this dark room and we'll, you, you, we'll get you fixed up. You resisted. For, again, my resistance was short-lived, but it was from the same exact place. I've noticed you, you kind of have this. So here's the thing. I resisted for multiple reasons. Are you going to say that my resistance is something within my personality test? Actually, it is. Number a six is a more six resistant. resistant yeah. A six is more resistant to being labeled a six. Yeah, that's what they say. Actually, they say like if you get in, there's certain there's certain types that are. More I hope in, I come back and I'm like a two, just to blow your mind. Like, that would blow my mind. I didn't even know you. If you weren't in, I thought I knew you. If you weren't in the head, triad, I want to just write down wrong answers just to just to mess with you. I want to. That's exactly what a six would do. No, I, I'm just kidding. That's what a seven would do. No, I, I, if the you're, prankster. if you're not in a head triad, I will eat my shoe. So that's a five, six, or seven. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, then you might, I could sometimes thought you're an eight. You could be an eight, but I don't think so. I just think you're somewhere in there, but, but you need like real coaching. So, um, wow. counseling. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, yeah, I'm actually gonna get some Instagram counseling. So it's gonna be great. Because what does I'm, that do? It's like, it's like a therapist walk, knowing your Enneagram now walks you through growth. Yeah. Yeah. So and trauma part and of the deal is through the book process of what I'm writing. That's something we're going to do to helps me really understand their process. But okay. in, in the middle, I get to have, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Like it's like, I've, uh, so I'm really excited about it. I mean, we get to sit around and talk about me, Johnny. <laughs> oh, it's the best. <laughs> no, I was kidding. That's what I was scared of when, when Laura first brought it, I had that real, Hey, you can't sum me up. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking in the book planning meeting the other day about that, the, the hurdles to Enneagram yeah. for people, you know, some really treat it like a self-help interest thing. Like, Oh, that's helpful. You know? And there's kind of like, but they don't really feel like that they're that broken. So they're really, they're not really wanting to know 
all the stuff. They just like, oh, give me something, so I'll stop yelling at my wife so much. Like you know, okay. well here, like, take yeah. three deep breaths. You know, right. like they want to. They don't really want to yeah. know the source right. of where that's coming from. Uh, others really get freaked out with the origins of the Enneagram because there's all this like folklore about it coming out of. This has got a really weird symbol. It looks almost like a pentagram, but it's all these lines on on a nine point you know scale. So the symbol really freaks people out. Um, you have others who really don't want to be summed up and siloed. Like you can't put me in a box, you know. Yeah. And so that's where I started. I'm way too unique for you to do that. And the real, actual good Enneagram ideology, if you really get into it, is that you actually are infinitely unique. You actually function in all nine numbers, all nine types in some ways. Knowing your primary type helps you understand, you know, the way you're unique. It's not to make you like anyone else. But there are eerie commonalities of certain things like motivations uh, or reactions that are, I'm telling you, it is the craziest thing sometimes. I just think it's a God's wisdom given to help us kind of understand how to, how we see the world, certainly ways to, where where to invite healthier gospel things into. Because when you know, look, if you just keep, that's one of the premises of the book, you keep doing this thing that you even know is hurting you. But it's so instinctive, you keep doing it, and you don't know why. Like it's a thing, a constant forever, and you you could discipline yourself out of it at some point. But like when you actually invite whatever those internal parts are to the conversation, like why do you? Why does every time, um, you know, why does every time this family member show up, you suddenly act this way? You know, what what, what is that? You know, what is the it's not just wounds. Some of it's wound. It's not just pattern. It's not just you don't like them. Like, what? It, what are you? What is something inside of you trying to protect for the rest of you? Um, I do that. It was so funny um, that, that you can name even those parts. But like my seven, which is the fun part, you know, the avid endorsement part. That's just stupid. I mean, just you know, wants to laugh. Like um, the uh, I don't know if I told you this. We were. <laughs> We use in, in this writing project program called Slack, which mm-hmm. is kind of like Microsoft Teams or whatever, but it's a little you know souped up. So it's like just everything related to the book, related to what they're doing is. So I don't just get I don't get emails from them very often. I get Slack messages. So if I see a Slack message, I know it's about this project. And so I was a little overwhelmed and a little like this is a lot of learning curve. You have to you have to really like tag people at people. Yeah, it's like threads and DMs, and it's kind of like its own little. It's almost like social media culture embedded into a, mm-hmm. a business app, you know. And I'm trying to figure, oh, like I don't know what everyone in the group is seeing or not seeing because some of them are seen by all and some are not. I'm like, oh man. And so they introduced me to this whole team of like 25 people. Like, hey, here's John. He's gonna help us write the book, you know. And dude, before I could stop myself, like I wrote just the dumbest like Yosemite Sam, like, hey guys, I'm a woo, and I was like just dropping all these. You know, like it was really a lot. Like were, it's like approval seeking right away. Immediately tried to get everyone to laugh yeah. at me, mm-hmm. and immediately and tried to impress them by saying something really stupid with really well written sentences about me and self deprecation, and you know, integrated the enneagram in there as if I don't know a lot about it, but in a way that lets like, you John, know. You're fine. So, well, and that kind of and it got a few laughs, but as soon as I sent it, this is where I think it helps. Like in the old days, I just would have continued in the insecurity. Yeah. As soon as I sent it, I had this sense of who the heck was that? Like, why did I just do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it was a real, like I, I was, I was aware quicker Yeah, yeah. of the thing. It wasn't like I, I was like, okay. Uh-huh. And I began to listen to, okay, well now I just told you all the reasons like, okay, something inside of me was insecure about this. And so I tried to win everybody over, right? which I've done a lot of my life. I tried to win everybody over with, with either humor or putting myself in a negative light so that, you know, and that's why. And so we even laughed about it. I was able to tell them that later on, like, yeah, I mean, that first call, cause we were talking about that part of you that does that. <laughs> Everyone has some, you know, may yeah. do, do it differently. But for me, that's the, the beauty of it. Like you walk into a thing yeah. and you go, okay, I'm aware that I did that at least. Yeah. For me, I think it's like, uh, I was talking with Nate Bergatti about that one day about how, like, if we're in a room with people, like say let's say somebody comes a group of people come backstage to meet Nate. Yeah. He doesn't know them and it's gonna be awkward, but his job is to make it not awkward. 
and it's a job he's equipped to do. Yeah. And for, and, and I, I think that's always true. Like if it's, I'm wired to make people feel more comfortable. Yeah. And that's a gift. It also can be weird and you can be a phony that way because you're like, Oh, what do I need to say? What are the words I need to say to change the temperature in this room? And you can, and if you do that enough, you become manipulative and et cetera. It can right. be the far extreme of that yeah. behavior. But in some ways it's a real gift. Cause it's like, you can, yeah, you can make people feel better with your words and there's great things to that. That that's a great gift. Well, that's the thing. Someone said yesterday we're talking about the Enneagram. They're like, "Oh, I'm probably the bad number." I was like, "Well, there's no there's no bad number." Yeah. Like there's no bad part. Like we're all broken and fallen, but every part, every type, every primary type, every subtype, all these things they can be aligned and they can be misaligned. Meaning, like, hey, I need that part of John because it does. I can lighten a room, even though I'm an introvert. If that part of John comes out, like I can help people feel more comfortable. Yeah. I can help people connect with one another. I can make my friends have, you know, a better day after a long day. And that part is good for me. It, it makes social situations. I can walk in as an introvert who could just go sit in the corner. And if, if I'm healthy in that part, I actually am engaging people better. So that's good. You know, I'd rather start lighter because I'm a heavy guy, as you know. So I need that tool a little bit or that part of me tools, you know, I, <laughs> I'm the tool, Johnny, if you know Ew. what I mean. But I need that part of me to like have acquaintances and, yeah. and normal conversations that aren't like, so uh, tell me about your childhood. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm that guy. Let's unpack that. And I don't, I naturally gravitate to, you know, what I consider to be deeper conversations and what others may consider to be just exhausting, you yeah. know, cause I'm just all the time at a 10, you know, so I need to be able to be lighter, but you're right. If that guy gets too much, then I'm trying to win the whole room over, not to who I really am, but to the comedian version of me, which I don't have a comedian version. He's a humorist. Sorry, Johnny. It's a, I mean, that, that might have been offensive. <laughs> it's not offensive at all. Offensive. No, I, yeah, I get what you mean. And that's, yeah, we're all trying to, yeah, we all want to be liked. And so that's, that's when it's hard to know. Am I doing this for other people's benefit? Am I doing this so that I don't feel awkward myself? Yeah. That's another one. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Am I doing this because my own comfort is here? I certainly, I think it's a big part of that. Yeah. And it causes me to blend. And I, is that wrong? There's a, I mean, there's a, a line where you got to give yourself a break and be like, it's not wrong to seek for things not to be weird all the time. Sure. No, no. It's, it's just social interaction. Yeah. Hey, I've been with you and a bunch of comedian friends before. Yeah. And it's intimidating when y'all are just sitting in the, in the green room. Yeah. And I'm sitting with you. Because everybody in the room is funny, and I either try one or two things. I say nothing, mm -hmm. or I occasionally try to say something funny to, 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 be, to belong. Yeah. Generally, I pick A. Like, if I'm around you and a bunch of your friends, like, I don't come in like, hey, everybody, I just ran into it. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have yeah. a – because I, I think I tried that once early on. I, mean, I can't remember. I had no clue what I said. I tried to say something. And it was like they all evaluated the joke yeah. structure. They all were like, hmm, that's very, very interesting. interesting. Yeah, it wasn't a, and I've seen Tim Hawkins, being with him on the road when we were writing the book, people did it to him all oh, right. yeah. the time, especially. I got one for you. I would see you say something that I thought was hilarious, uh -huh. and he would just kind of, hmm, just kind of smile. It wasn't because <laughs> he didn't think it was funny, it was because he just does it all the time. Yeah. Like everything's funny all the time. And I'll see people do it to you in the airport and stuff. Like, oh, you're a comedian, right? And you're always. After the show, it'd be the word people come about. I got one for you. And they start telling, and then they tell the most racist oh, joke. Dear. And you're like, listen, pastor, I've enjoyed being in your church. I appreciate <laughs> you this. You just give me the check. I got to get out need. of here. <laughs> no, before I tell you what I'm about to tell you. I'm going to pack up my table and get out of have here. Have you Venmoed yet? Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Oh man! Yeah, that's uh, that's there was an old uh, Twitter uh, a tweet about that that said, when you go to a show, uh, when you're at a comedy show and you're finished, and someone comes up to you and tries to tell you a joke, it's like going to a restaurant and then going back and try to teach the chef how to make a cheese sandwich, <laughs> a somehow racist cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, that's great. Don't do that. If you're one of those people. Well, listen, I sometimes tell you a joke at the end of a show and it really is funny. And it'd be one that I haven't heard. It'd be like a street joke or whatever. Just a joke. Yeah. What we call a joke joke. 
And I'll be like, I never heard that one. It's really good. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll kind of pile it away and it's fun. And that's fun. That doesn't bother me when people try to be funny with me at the show. Yeah. I don't want to come off like, don't you dare approach me. <laughs> also visit my table. But just don't be a weirdo and don't be racist. Dude, you said something the other day. We haven't talked about this because the podcast didn't work. You spoke at a church the other day where I have spoken before. Oh, yeah. And you used something that I, you and I talked about that was my illustration. Yeah. And you gave me credit. I gave you credit. Because I always say, look, it, this is an old Billy Graham story, and I'll tell an old Billy Graham story, and I kind of put my spin on it, and then I give my little my interpretation of it yeah. in my own with my own story. Or I'll say, C.S. Lewis said this, and I said, I was talking about an illustration that you talked about with, with uh, how, like, if we're dead in sin, it doesn't matter who was the most dead. Right. You know, we all, without Jesus, we're all dead in sin. And so I gave this illustration that you shared a long time ago about, like, if we're on the lake and we all back, we back up our cars on the shore and we just, like, gun it. If I'm driving a Prius and you're driving a Ferrari, you may get farther in your Ferrari, but we're both dead. Yeah. Like, you may skate along the water for a few more feet, and then we're both dead. And, but I said your name, but then when they put together a little clip package, like a little two minute, do you see, did you ever watch the video? I never saw it. So the church, they released a video of like, Hey, Johnny was so glad to have Johnny with us last week. And they showed like a couple of jokes and then they showed that serious part and they had completely cut out where I gave you credit, <laughs> which I get why they would, because it doesn't, it's not germane to that particular part. But then I felt like immediately, like I need to at least tell John, just so you know, when you see this clip, I thought, so I thought you not follow that account. Cause you know, the pastor. It's like they're going to, he's going to see this and be like, son of a gun. You, man, I mean, all I asked was for it. No, I, was kidding. Was I didn't even remember. I, remember now, I didn't even remember the illustration. You were like, I was like maybe it I wasn't s-? you. Maybe it was Osteen. No, I remember it now. Oh, it was Osteen. oh yeah. No, since well, it was now good, I'm going to take it and run with it. Since it was good, I you remember it. Was it so good. It yeah, must it have been me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my whole everybody's dead thing is usually the Civil War battlefield. You know, one with the yeah. Well, you adapt. You adapt. Yeah. You adapted it after that. Yeah. You, you're, that's what I would do it's with the joke. Gory. It'd be like if somebody shared a joke. Uh, you know, uh, Brian Bates started doing that, where he'll do like uh, these Monday night mater- new material Mondays on, at Zany's. Yeah. And then if he has a good joke, like he'll just put it out. And then some other comedian, we had lunch the other day, and he's like, so you're just putting out jokes that you tell for the first time? You're putting videos out of them? And it's like kind of my – I was like, well, it was good. And Brian's like, it was done. Like he was just kind of like saying, when I say it for the first time, it's done. <laughs> but honestly, that's probably what happened with your illustration. You're like, you know what's even better is Civil War battle, Battlefield. You know, yeah. when you see two men laying there dead, one might have been hit by a cannonball. One might have an infection that he died from. They're both dead. It doesn't matter uh, how catastrophic or traumatic your sin in this illustration would be. So you just kind of adapted it, but I took the the car version and I ran with that. I ran with your car. Wait, I don't even know how cars Johnny work. Johnny ran off my car. So anyway, yeah. So that was. Uh, but you got your credit, John. I know it's what you wanted. Well, I've that's now, such a sick thing. I've had my blessing to need credit for everything. <laughs> I try to give credit. Uh, it's hard. It, that's the thing. Is like you have so many ideas that come into your head, and if you. If you've told a story for a long time, I can see how it would happen where you're like, well, this is my story now. Oh, yeah. Or if you've put yourself in the story so many times, you're like, this is now my story. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that old, the old cliche is a preacher always the first time was like, you know, uh, it's like Johnny used to say, my friend Johnny. And the next time I was like, you know, that's what my friend used to say. And then the third time I was like, you know, it's like I always I'll say. I always said. Yeah. And he probably really doesn't know, you mm-hmm. know, the difference. So, but guys, we hope that you know that today was completely original from us. We give you credit yeah. for listening. Oh my goodness, do we not? And enduring last week's hiatus, it was unintentional. It had to be hard for you guys. So, oh my goodness. I mean, I tell you, the lines were lighting up, Johnny. They were. <laughs> we don't have lines. <laughs> Uh, we did have a question uh, about leaving reviews, and I actually did some research on this. So it turns out, from what I understand, that Android platforms don't have a place for reviews. That's upsetting. So you have to go to Apple Podcasts to leave reviews. We're actually going to work, though, in adding a section to our website where you could leave a review oh, there directly. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that uh, listener question. Uh, we'll, we'll be le- Somebody wanted to leave us a five-star, but they're listening on an Android device. Once we have your review, we're going to go manufacture an Apple account and copy and paste that review. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, <you laughs> Totally not John Driver 654 says... <laughs> <laughs> no, but thanks to all of you who listen and uh, and have left reviews and uh, share it. And we appreciate you doing that. And uh, we're you know just always honored to get to share a little time with you every week. 
And we look forward to doing so, hopefully, on a new computer coming out soon. Oh, that's very exciting. You won't be new able to tell devices. the difference. It'll mean nothing to you guys, no. but for us, it'll be the peace of mind that John will have yes. from it not crashing every five seconds. Yes, it's going to be great. So. But hey, make sure you pay attention and watch for those new releases. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.